It's time to explore the unexplained, to delve into the mysteries of our world and the realms beyond, to seek out the answers to phenomena that defy conventional explanation. Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G, where that journey begins. Good evening, everyone. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with your host, Karen Frazier, and me, Chucky G. Hi, Karen. How's it going? Hi, it's going. It's going. Is it going north, south, east, or west? Yes. I'm going to call you my little yogi now because you're Miss Your yoga. little yogi. That's right. Yeah, One of these yogi. days you're going to sign into Skype and I'm going to be sitting here with my feet pretzeled behind my ears. You and Cheryl will be so impressed. <laughs> I'll do, the like, whole oh. I'll do the whole show <laughs> like that, man. Be like, oh my God, that looks like it hurts. No, don't do that. That'd be freaky. No, I'd be Bendy Wendy. I'm going to be Bendy Wendy. Ben, oh, Bendy Wendy. That should be your new name. It's me, Chucky G, and my co-host, Bendy Wendy. There you go. Like there that? you go, Bendy Wendy. I am not Bendy Wendy yet. <laughs> and oh, by the way, hi, Cheryl. How are you? Hi, Chuck. Hi, Karen. I'm great. How are you guys? Hi, Cheryl. We are doing good. Thank you for speaking for me. <laughs> I am speaking for all of us. We are doing good because you just told me you were doing good before, didn't you? I'm doing good. That's what I thought. See? Uh, so anything, you know, cool you want to tell me that's going on besides the yoga, Karen? Anything other interesting? I mean, Jim's doing good. That's what we want to hear that, that he's doing good. Yeah, Jim's doing fantastic. Mm. Um. Um, I don't think so. I don't know. Is there anything I have to tell you besides the, you, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just asking. I don't I'm, know. I'm, going, I'm, going to a, I'm going to a Tibetan singing bowl concert next week. All right. What's the, what's the purpose of the singing bowls besides to annoy you? Chakra tuning. Oh, okay. They're so very tu- spiritual. So it's like tuning in a guitar, but only tuning in your chakras. Yes. They... But I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be lovely, and it's also a uh, it's also a meditation. So there's it's, it's a singing bowl concert and meditation. That's cool. We were just talking I about that meditating meditation. in a group. Mm-hmm. Well, meditation is awesome. Anybody that doesn't do meditation should do meditation. Well, I don't think you can say that. Why? Um, because people do their own thing. People do what works for them, and for some people, meditation is a very uncomfortable process and and so for those people perhaps they want to um you know just focus on the present and you know i i actually wrote an article for i think next month's paranormal underground about about different things you can do if you just can't meditate because some people are in a place where they 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 don't but i think what everyone should do is take time out of their day to really focus on the present moment in whatever way that works i see I still think you should meditate, but that's just me. I, uh, I mean, I was the kind of person that you know couldn't pay attention to yet. You're waving your finger at me. Couldn't, oh no, I'm uh, I'm not. I'm cleaning off my screen. There was oh, a dog uh, I, mean, I, my screen. I was a person that couldn't even sit still for two seconds, so I started using transfixation first, and then I went into meditation. So I mean, it, it, it's it's very calming. You know? I meditate for an hour every day. Um, but Betty, Billy says meditation for me is sleeping. I call that napitation, Billy. And, and that does happen. <laughs> any, med- any, any meditator can tell you that napitation occurs. Oh, I think there's something in that. I'm going to start teaching napitation classes. Napitation. Right, come on in. 
Close your eyes, get your little blankie, get you some chocolate milk. Sort of like kindergarten. <laughs> yeah, but I do. I meditate. I meditate every day for an hour. Uh, you yeah. know, so so I, I for me it works. Um, but I there are people that need to find other ways, whether it's walking in nature, whether it's coloring and adult coloring books. I mean, there's all sorts of things that you can do to focus. It's it's just a matter of focusing your attention on something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I can only do 15 For five minutes. or 10 minutes, so yeah. I can only but, do 15 Well, minutes. I've been doing this for a while, you know. Oh, well, okay. No, I've been doing <laughs> it. I mean, I've been doing it for, for <laughs> I know, a long time. I know. I haven't been doing it that long. But at least I got 15 minutes, and my first there was like two minutes of being, okay, I'm done. I, I can't. I, I, keep I know. It's like, I okay, I got to open my eyes. I got to uh, open my eyes yeah. now. Yeah, I, I've been there. I know. It's talking to me. Tell it to shut up. It, it's, well, stop talking. Yes. But now I'm, I, now. All right. It's like it'll be – you'll be sitting there. And I still sometimes – it just – some days it's 10 minutes and nope, I'm done. But usually, <laughs> usually, usually it's closer to an hour. But yeah, there are just some days and you think, oh, God, I've been at this for like two hours now. And you open your eyes and it's like two minutes. <laughs> You're like, really? That's all it is? Oh, man. Yeah, but, oh, yeah. And, but, but my suggestion is that when that happens, don't force mm-hmm. yourself back into it. Get up, walk away, and engage yourself in something later in the day. Either try to meditate again or engage yourself in something else um, okay. that focuses your attention. An activity, like for me... What actually got me to be able to start meditating was um, making jewelry. When I would make jewelry, my mind would go blank. And I finally, it was like, oh, that's how you do it. And that focus on the jewelry making made it so that I could actually start meditating. So um, there's all sorts of ways that you can do it. There you have it, folks. Yeah. There you have it. Um, so really quick, I'll mention our guest this evening. Uh, he's been out here before. Really, Barry? Yeah, Daily Barry. I think that's what we love. Daily Barry. I know he's awesome. He's my buddy. He's my. You said what? He was in the. We're gonna chat talk right? about spiritual stuff, man. <laughs> he's like, "What's up, bro?" I'm like, "There you go. That's spiritual as you get, right there, baby." Gonna get your spirituality on. Get and your that's spirituality okay. on. No, here's the thing. Daily yeah. Barry is our kind of people. Yeah, he is. He's, he's got an upcoming book called uh, "Classes on a Course in Miracles: Contemporary Pure Non-Dualism." Yeah, I can say that. Yes. Dualism. And, uh, and, the, and the best part is that I love to yeah. say the name Daryl Berry. I know. I like to say it's, you say it, I like you like to say it like it's all one word. Daily Berry. It, it is. It's like Daily Berry. I have Daily Berry. Daryl Berry. Wait, isn't that his name, Daryl Berry? <laughs> yes, it is Daryl E. Berry. Yes, that's his name. No, no space. It's Daryl Berry. <laughs> Well, we'll just have to bring it up when he comes that makes on. It, well, he's listening. He it makes it more yeah. fun. Daily there Mary. Oh, yeah, Daily Mary. There you go. All right. So, um, yeah, I mean, things are going good for me. I mean, well, you know, we have our interesting little moments in life. But other than that, you know, things are going good over here. You know, life is an adventure. Oh, remember, yes. It's not how. What is it? The the saying. It's not how hard you fall. It's how high you bounce. That's right. So you be a bouncer. Don't get a good sports bra. Just bouncer? bounce. Just like in a bar, be a bouncer. Yo, good drinking. Get out of here. I'm a bouncer. Oh, not that kind of bouncer. That's what you're saying. Well, you know, you could make, get a second job, make a little extra money. There you go. I know a guy tried to hire me once at Office Max when I was carrying around all these giant chairs. He's like, did you just carry it all the way from up there, all the way down the ladder, and all the way up here? I go, yeah, why? He goes, Didn't you want the chair? And he goes, yeah, I want the chair. I want to hire you as a bouncer. I'm like, yeah, I don't have enough metal. There you go. Hey, Cheryl, you know what we need? What's that? We need a sound. You know how we have like the intro to Chuck's um, 
news and stuff. Yes. What we need is uh, just a little sound bite that says, Karen was right, with like angels singing in the background and stuff. Or choir. <gasps> a choir. Yeah, yeah. Karen was oh, right. Oh, yeah, or something. We, we need that. And, and we need great. that right now. Great. <laughs> uh, we need to work on that. I don't have anything like be, that. So, so let's just pretend that you hear the angels singing, Karen was right. What was I right about, Chuck? I don't know. What are you talking about? You know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Let's just move along, shall we? No, Karen was right at what? This is because this is a big, this is a a milestone for you as well. Well, well, I'm not sure what you're driving at. Your shirt. I knew she was going to say it. All right. Yes. Karen was right about changing my shirt size. I went from a 4X to a 2X. Two sizes down. I've been telling him for months, you need you, 4X is too big, 3X is too big, yes. you need uh, like an extra larger 2X. And he's like, no. Nah, <laughs> Did I sound like that? And like there, that? Would be the, there would be the sound effect again. Oh, Karen was right. Wonderful. Man, that's what I need. Is that, yeah, that's what I need on the show. Don't you think we need that sound effect, Cheryl? Yeah, but we'd be playing it like every second. Well, we also need a Cheryl was right one. People, can you feel my face and right then, now? And then we can have like a, a like um, one of those uh, that uh, acquired that, yeah, Chuck was wrong. Yeah, Chuck, you know, clapping and singing. <laughs> we got to oh, make, wow. make this happen. Okay. All righty. Well, it's been a good night. Everyone, good night. <laughs> you like to make a call? Please hang up and down again. You have to. You have to realize that um, being right is is a big deal to me because I in know. my home I am right. I I have one one once a year, and I was right like um, last know. month, and so I have to wait until like January again now. <laughs> so you're gonna enjoy it off of me while you're waiting for your so other pretty one. Pretty much. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, if I can help in any way, shape, or form, I'm here for. You can. You validate me as a human being. (laughs) Okay. And with that said, Cheryl, it's that time, please. Just when you thought the world couldn't get any weirder, it's time for news of the strange. That is correct. It is time for some really weird news. Um, I have a really kind of an interesting one and then a bunch of just fun ones that are kind of kooky. So this one here is nice, though, because, you know, we're still doing the X-Files on TV. Uh-huh. By the way, I sent the, the whole X-Files season over to Cheryl and Jack. Nice, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I, smart. Fa- thank you. That is <laughs> awesome. Welcome. It's a nice – Is it's it's Blu-ray. It's the whole first nine seasons. Mm-hmm. That's right. Oh, we're stoked. So- yeah, I know. So this one's called One of the Most Famous X-Files, a declassified FBI memo, Flying Saucers Found with Nine Aliens Inside. This is by Tara Mazak, uh, Epoch Times, January 31st, 2016. All right, so the FBI opened the vault, a library of documents released to the public through the Freedom of Information Act that happened in 2011. In the following years, after a particular document known, not now known as the Hotel Memo received nearly a million views. It was written on March 22, 1955, by, by Guy Hoddle, then head of the FBI field office in Washington, D.C. It states, an investigator for the Air Force stated that three so-called flying saucers have been removed, I'm sorry, have been recovered in New Mexico. They were described as being circular in shape with raised centers, approximately 50 feet in diameter. 
Each one was occupied by three bodies of human-shaped but only three feet tall, dressed in metallic cloth of a very fine texture. Each body was bandaged in a manner similar to the black outsuits used by speed flyers and test pilots. Each one was occupied by three bodies of human shapes. Only they were only like they said again. They were only three feet tall. So of course they knew they weren't in humans. Those were small humans. So in 2013, the FBI made a public statement on the memo since it had been receiving widespread attention. Some people have connected the memo to the alleged conspiracy to cover up a UFO crash. Of course, we know about this. Roswell, New Mexico. The FBI stated the Hoddle memo is dated three, nearly three years after the infamous events in Roswell in July of 1947. There is no reason to believe the two are connected. The FBI said it did not further investigate the saucer reports by Hoddle. The Hoddle memo does not prove the existence of UFO, of UFO as they state. It is simply a second or third hand claim that was never investigated. So, I mean, I found that to be kind of interesting. I mean, regardless, you know, I mean, we all know about Roswell, but I had never heard about this. And it's interesting. Oh, oh yeah. He's the head of the FBI at that time, but we're just going to, it's a third party claim. We're not going to you know, talk about it. I find it a little bit weird. Don't you care? I do. Sneaky. So here's one. This one is cool. I read this. I was like, oh, my God, I would, I would buy one of these. Okay. It's called The Incredible Life Straw Filters Water on the Go. It's from gloomwire.com. It appears we live in an age when the seemingly impossible keeps becoming possible. We now have the ability to drink water from dirty sauce sources using nothing but a two-ounce blue straw. The Life Straw is an invention created by Vestergaard which is located in Switzerland. It was originally envisioned as a device for use in developing countries where clean water is scarce. To use the blue straw, you simply place it in the water you want to drink from and suck on it. You drink directly from the device and expel the unwanted bacteria and other undesirable materials by blowing into it. It doesn't get rid of viruses or change the taste of salt water, but renders most water sources into tasteless drinking water. The life straw filters approximately 264 gallons of water or the amount of a water a person drinks in a whole year, but usually lasts longer than five years for most. The straw was first brought to North America for sale in 2011 when demand for it increased. The straw is mostly used by those traveling in other countries or hikers, but can be purchased for anyone. You can actually snatch it up on Amazon for around 16 bucks with a companion bottle for about 30. I found that to be kind of cool, didn't you? Yeah, I would totally, I would totally use it for hiking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they are available on Amazon. You can go get them. Um, this one is really weird. It's really short. I just thought, what the heck? Foot sniffer arrested. Some guys run around sm smelling people's feet. Seriously? Well, there's a fetish for everything. Yeah, I suppose it seems some people have taken to sniffing feet instead of flowers these days. At least one person has. Eddie Juan, 52, was arrested after reports concerning his foot fetish reached the police. He was seen sniffing women's feet at the Florida International University, crawling under tables to get a whiff. Juan fled the scene on a scooter before he crashed and was apprehended. It is unknown if Juan will continue to sniff feet in prison. All right, that was just... <laughs> he probably will. I mean, it's it's like probably a compulsion or something. I think it's funny. You just picked this guy crawling around the table and then jumping on his little scooter and trying to take off. Seriously. It's like Maybe he's part dog. Dogs like to sniff things like feet in other grosser regions. I've been worried if they said he was licking feet because I was like, oh, that's really gross. Some I'm people a... like to do that too, I think. Ew. I, I, oh, Cheryl, I, I, Cheryl just actually like drew back in revulsion. That was. <laughs> <laughs> that gross, Cheryl? That was disgusting. Oh, my God. 
you actually, you seriously, you actually flinched in revulsion. Oh my it's god, gross, man. No. And all right, the last one is this is cool. Everyone likes bacon. I love bacon. Magical bacon products you can buy. Okay, we have bacon soap, which is scented like bacon. They have bacon jam, spreadable bacon jam. Oh my god. Okay, three bacon costumes. Have the chops to pull off a bacon costume. Choose the men's bacon suit and or the women's bacon dress for that hot, juicy look. Uh, you got bacon tape. Yeah, that's right. Duct tape now makes tape in a bacon variety. We have bacon bandages. Why, what will distract a crying child? Bacon. We have bacon candy. Maple-flavored bacon candy. Uh, uh, ooh, that makes me want to just sick right there. Bacon soda. Food-flavored sodas for those seeking adventure. I don't think I would drink that. Bacon toothpaste. <laughs> uh, why would they? Why? Why would they even do that? I mean, I like bacon. But... And then the last thing, which was interesting, the iPhone bacon-scented alarm clock. That is correct. Wake up to the scent of bacon in the air with Oscar Mayer's bacon-scented alarm clock. The delicious device plugs into the headphones or port of any iPhone. When combined with the app, the bacon device releases the smell when an alarm is triggered. So there you go, folks. That, is, um, that would piss yeah. me off to wake up to the smell <laughs> oh, of bacon and not yes. have any bacon to eat. <laughs> what? I mean, I like. I, I that thought, is just not okay. I know. It's like I, I'll be like, "Where's the bacon?" I. Uh, I mean, I like coffee, so I think coffee should be an air freshener scent because I, I personally love the smell of coffee, so it's fine. It just has a nice aroma. Karen just made the face. I hate so, coffee. Yeah. So what aroma do you would you like if you could have any aroma to smell? Well, here's the thing. Yes. I have I actually wrote an article about this for Paranormal Underground magazine. Why did you? About I have uh, because aromatherapy. I use aromatherapy. Oh, so God, right now as we speak, I have um Palo Santo and sandalwood in my aromatherapy diffuser. Say that again, Palo Santo. Palo Santo. Palo Santo. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you like that? And, you, and is, is it like a calming effect or it makes um, you happy? It's, it's so Palo, or, uh, Palo Santo is uh, kind of purifying and energizing and good energy. Sandalwood does a lot of things. It, it helps you focus. It boosts creativity. It um, boosts like prosperity, consciousness, things like that. So I love it. I thought you were going to say prostate. I was going to say ew. Um, Cheryl, any particular smell that you like? I do. I like jasmine a whole lot. I have Ooh. to say that's that's Jasmine. that essential oil is super expensive. Jasmine essential oil is like crazy expensive. Yeah, I mean, I have, but it smells delicious. But it smells good. Yeah. Well, florals, I like sweet peas. Mm. Sweet peas. Sweet peas. Like Popeye, like oh, sweet peas. No, they're they're flowers. <laughs> They're, they're really okay, fragrant flowers. Sweet peas. Oh, okay. All right, cool. Um, yeah, because my friend Chris does uh, all the aromatherapy, and I, I looked online. I was like, that stuff is not cheap. Like, you know, if you get the the thing oh, that does it. Yeah, it does. It is though. I mean, you can get a, a diffuser for like thirty bucks, and you can get um, essential oils. They run from anywhere from like three dollars to maybe ten dollars for a little bottle. And the thing is they last you forever because you only need a drop or two at a time. As a matter of fact, you don't want to use more than a drop or two because um if you use it too much or you don't dilute it enough, um it yeah. can cause sensitization reactions. 
Well, what, what the hell does that mean? Ah, like itchy, high, rashy stuff. Ah, oh, well. Well, okay. you just have to dilute it. You just have to no. make sure. Okay. You just have to no. dilute it appropriately and not put it directly on your skin and not eat it. Well, I use incense because I like incense. You know, I have different kinds of incense. Yeah. And one of those little tall box things and like kind of like, you know, slowly. I mean, is that the same or is that different? I don't, I don't understand aromatherapy. So, I mean, is that like... Aromatherapy the is essential oils that you, you use them in all sorts of things. Like you can use them as massage oils. You can use them in a scent diffuser. Um, you, can use, you can make things out of them. You can make perfume, perfumes. I clean my house with them. I put them in, you know, those little steamers. I put yeah. them in a steamer and I steam my kitchens and my bathrooms with them. And stuff. Really? I put them in my laundry instead of, um, instead of scented stuff. That's interesting. We could get bacon uh, bacon aromatherapy. Mm. No, because that's a lie. It's, that's a lie. <laughs> What's a lie? What do you mean? What are you saying? Bacon, bacon scented things without the tasty, tasty flavor of bacon along with it is a does lie. That makes you angry, doesn't it? it, it, it I feel it, the anger coming yeah. right to the screen. Yeah. It's a lie. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Why? Why? I don't know. Because you like the smell of it. I don't know. I don't know. Why are we talking no, about that? I mean, bacon smells great, but why? I, you have to be able to eat the bacon too. <laughs> I like what you do that, but why? Oh, she's hitting the high notes. I don't know, Karen. I don't know why I would do it. I was just trying to bring something up to talk about. I don't because know. Otherwise, just, we just sit here and stare at each other and be. <laughs> oh no, we'd make faces at each other. And we'd be getting a get kick out of it, but nobody else would know what the heck we're doing. So, but um, yeah, uh, I'll have to check into the aromatherapy thing because I mean, you know, everybody's been bringing it up. Book about it. I know. So now we're gonna have to delve into it. I'm delving into. See, I'm I'm stepping out of my comfort zone. So many things. Good thing. I'm telling you. Just, That's good. You just, should be. Today, to be today a 2X shirt. Tomorrow, aromatherapy. The day after that, <laughs> the world. The world. I'll be standing there in my 2X shirt, my 44-inch pants with my aromatherapy in my arm saying, I am taking on the world. There That's you go. right. You'd be like a superhero. You'd be like one of those dudes from X-Men. And I'll make my cape out of bacon. There you go. No, because <laughs> only... <laughs> Well, I I think you do not understand the purpose of bacon. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're not getting it. I do. No, I get it. Out. Well, if I made the cape out of real bacon, you could eat it and then fly a little bit and eat it until you make another Well, one. you would be eating your own cape because I'm not going to eat a cape you wore. I'm cleanly. I take showers. What the heck? I understand. I just don't think I... Yeah. Mm -mm. <laughs> Just not touching that one. There you go, folks. Oh, I can't wait to talk to Daryl. Say his name again. Dar Daryl Berry. There you go. Daryl Berry. Daryl Berry. Daryl Berry. It's like a song almost. It's like no, a song. It's not. It's, it it's just. it. He's the man. He's the dude. He's cool. He is cool, though, isn't he? I know. <laughs> I was excited that he, he was able to come on this week. I think we originally had another guest scheduled who wasn't able to do it, and, and, and Daryl Berry came on instead. Well, yeah, when we talked about the out-of-body stuff, that was cool. I mean, I, I got his book that I read. That was cool. Very cool. I know. I know. And and um, it's been helpful in my dream interpretation, too, because sometimes uh, I got I get dreams from people, and I think, well, there's just not anything symbolic about that. What the heck? And I realize now that some of that is probably, you know, the whole out-of-body yeah. 
OBE. Oh, so I want to ask him though, because Jim says what? when he was in the hospital and okay. they had him on morphine okay. and he was down in the room for a test, but they just left him laying on the gurney on the morphine and he was yeah. like floating around the room, he said. Could morphine so cause an out-of-body experience? Ooh, I suppose it relaxes your body enough. I bet you could. Well, and with somebody like Jim, who just is not a, you know, just oh, let go kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, morphine is exactly what, because when he, when they gave him the first shot of morphine, he was like, I do mm -hmm. not like this because it, you don't have control. Oh, yeah. And Jim yeah. is a guy who has to be in control at all times. And so, yeah, he was tripping balls, man. <laughs> There you have it, folks. Tripping balls. I like that saying. Yeah, poor guy. I don't. I hate that stuff too. I don't like even taking like stuff that gets me like value. I don't like any of that stuff because it's like. I just. I can't. I, can't I, I, I enjoy the marijuana a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but you take it in pill form, man. You guys do it the right. Well, actually, I don't even. I don't even. <sighs> I don't even do it anymore, just because. Um, no. mm -mm, I'm trying not to put any of that crap into my body. I'm trying to, you know. Look at you. Look at me being all pure and shit. I know. I'm so proud of you. I love You're you, so, Karen. I love, I love you, you, too. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That was just so sweet and touching. Thanks. That Chuck and I need a private moment, so we're going to go to break. <laughs> and when we come back, we will be talking to Daryl E. Berry, and we're going yeah! to ask him about him tripping balls on morphine. So Daryl, be oh, ready yeah. for that. Stick okay. around. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Cheryl Knight, editor for Paranormal Underground Magazine. And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground Magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions. If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, crystals and herbology, and much, much more, visit ParanormalUnderground.net and start exploring the unexplained today. Do you want to keep up with what's going on at Paranormal Underground? Then tweet us on Twitter at ParanormalUG. Or follow us on Facebook at Paranormal Underground. Meet us on MySpace, Paranormal Underground. There's no need to be in the dark about what's going on at Paranormal Underground. Join us on your favorite social networking site today. Hey everyone, it's Karen Frazier from Paranormal Underground Radio. I'm here to tell you about my latest book, Pioneer Spirits, Investigating the Haunted Lewis County Historical Museum. In the book, I got together with Patty Valdez, South Sound Paranormal Research. SSPR has actually interacted with the ghosts at the Lewis County Historical Museum for more than seven years, and the experiences that I've had there as a volunteer and paranormal investigator have been significant. So I'm excited to share the story of the ghosts there with you. I hope you'll pick up a copy of Pioneer Spirits so that you, too, can know what it's like to encounter one of Washington State's most active haunts. This book is available on Amazon.com, or you can visit my website at authorkarenfraser.com.
So, you're looking for the best in paranormal radio. Well, you just found it. Right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained. That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal. And along the way, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well. So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. We are back with Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark on MixLR. You're listening to Karen Frazier and me, the lovely Chucky G. We also have a wonderful, wonderful man joining us this evening. His name is Dale E. Berry Jr. But Karen likes to say it. Dale E. Berry. Dale E. Berry. <laughs> Dale E. Berry. Hi, Daryl. How's it going, buddy? Doing good. How y'all doing tonight? I'm doing good. really good, man. Everybody Great. seems to be doing really well. <laughs> he always. So you were listening at the top of the show, and you heard me talking about Jim's tripping balls on morphine, where he felt like he was flying around the room because he could see everything above, above. Is that something that can happen as an out-of-body experience when you're on something like morphine? Oh, definitely. That's a common practice. Uh, on one of my retreats, uh, I went on a retreat to this uh, sort of... Uh, uh, retreat place <laughs> and uh, there was a medical doctor there and uh, you know we, we got to talking and and, uh, and she said that in her practice she actually ran into a lot of people that had out-of-body experiences as they was going through procedures so it was actually a pretty a pretty common thing I don't know I don't I mean I, I don't know if she talked about it to her colleagues a lot or whatever but you know of course I'm in the field so she started telling me about it but apparently it's pretty common so uh, you know yeah definitely could be one yeah, well, yeah, He the way he described it, I thought, I, I actually thought of you right away. I was like, oh, that sounds like an out-of-body experience. So, and he described right. it after the morphine had worn off, not while he was still on morphine. And, of course, you know, some people <laughs> might say it was just some kind of morphine hallucination, which, which which it could be as well. I mean, you know, that's, that's one reason why I don't... Um, uh, champion the idea of using drugs like a lot of people right. are really big on DMT and all kind of stuff and it's fine if you want to do it but you know uh, I find that you have a lot more control as you were saying you know he likes to be yeah. in control but if you do it with meditation and techniques then you have you know a lot more control and, and so on and so forth and really even with drugs from my perspective even drugs is really the effect even so I mean uh, a good example is and of course I can't verify this myself but I believe there was this guy named Ram Das. Uh, who was like an, an American guy who like like went to India and found himself and named himself Ram Das, and uh, apparently he was you know climbing mountains and stuff like people do trying to find monasteries and he found this sort of swami or whatever, and he gave the dude a large amount of LSD and it had no effect on him, but this is like some kind of swami dude that meditates you know ten hours a day for the last forty years or whatever, but his state of being was it literally like the, uh, the amount of LSD would have had all you know, all four of us tripping balls <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> if one of us took it, right? He he took it all and uh, and had no effect. So, you know, that kind of demonstrated that even even to the to the to the to the barest extent, really, our mind is what controls everything. Uh, that's one of the things that causes uh, uh, that could be a hindrance with drugs as well, because you start to believe in the power court of the drug rather than recognizing all the power that comes from within. I think what happens is uh, drugs give people the excuse. Like maybe he would never, would never have been able to allow himself to let go to that point, because I remember you were saying he's a very control, you know, he wants to be mm -hmm. in control. So maybe yeah. he, 
have been able to allow himself to let go to that point if it wasn't for the excuse like people use with alcohol. Yeah. It's alcohol, that's why, that's why it happened. But really, I believe, in my experience, secret, secretly, is always the mind that chooses, you know. Yeah, true. So um, just real quickly, because I know we're not talking as much about out-of-body experiences, but, you know, I always have questions. So, like, when Native Americans use the peyote and do the, the sweat lodge, are they, and they have the visions and things, are those out-of-body experiences, do you think, or are those Some, some more of them. Pers- you know, I haven't yeah. done in-depth research on that, but I did a little bit of research. In my experience, some of those experiences were out-of-body experiences, and some of those those experiences is also what some people call dream time, even though people use that term for out-of-body experience too. But when I say dream time, what I mean is uh, you could be walking around in the physical world in an altered state, and when you do that, you start to overlay non-physical data with physical data. Uh, so, for instance, they could be walking around seeing ghosts and non-physical beings for walking around physically, but seeing the non-physical world. And that's why a lot of Native Americans, they had contact as well, because they was able to go into that altered state while being physically active. And the ETs operate on what we call altered state. So they was able to see ETs and have interactions like a shamans and things like that. So in my experience, mm-hmm. not all of them are, but some of them were at about experience and some of them were just an altered state phenomena where they could actively walk around physically while being in a very deep altered state, which is very possible uh, for any of us to do. So I've, I've been out of body and in body before at the same time. Uh, mm-hmm. Only one time I managed to uh, I have to experiment more with this. I haven't mentioned this in the book because I only, only did it one time after explore with it more. But one time I was out of body and I, I was on this higher dimension. I became aware uh, uh, in this in this sort of rural type area like a, a country. And there was a teacher sitting on the porch of a house teaching a class. There was a, a, a people around them. And uh, so I, I sat there and listened to what the guy was saying for a bit. And uh, and then after a while, I flew off and did some things. And I had the idea of exploring, do we have multiple non-physical bodies? So from this higher non-physical dimension, I reached down with my mind and I willed my lower frequency non-physical body to stand up. And I experienced puppeting around a lower density non-physical body from a higher dimension. And the moment, the moment I started doing that, I just, there was just colors. It was just, it was just a very unusual experience. Like I saw, I saw colors, just, just a collage of colors, but I could feel myself puppeting around my non-physical body. In a sense, that's what the, that's what the shamans do when they're in that dream time state, but their physical wow. body around, but they're in a very deep altered state, you know? So, but that's something I got to explore more. I need to work up to 10 hours a day, clearly. <laughs> wow, that's really cool. Yeah. One isn't enough. Well, yeah. Well, when you're talking about like when you're when you're talking about, you know, uh the I, I just call it the other side versus this side, you know, because I'm reading about uh Native American um uh shaman shamanism and stuff like that. Um they and they call it what they call it the dream weave, where it's all everything's interconnected, you know, whether it's uh, other dimensions, our our souls, uh, you know, people like that. Um, that kind of sounds like what you're talking about. We're all spider webs out. It's all, everything's like interconnected. I'm starting to, to understand that, uh, by, uh, this book I'm reading right now. So I find it interesting. What you're What's saying. the book you're reading? Uh, the book I'm reading right now, it's called dancing the dream by Jamie Sams right there. Excellent. So yeah. It's a really good book and I'm learning a lot about, you know, uh, dark night of the soul, you know, things that happen to you that are, you know, not so pleasant and, uh, but they're there for a reason. So yeah, I'm, I'm starting to uh, understand a lot more. So, um, so we, we, we know last time we talked about all the out of body stuff, but now you have a new book, right? That's right. What, 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 what is the, I mean, what is the, 
what is it about? Basically, it's, called, it's on the Course in Miracles. It's called Classes on the Course in Miracles, and it's not really a book I intended on writing necessarily. It's something I travel for. It just uh, I started teaching classes on the Course in Miracles, and then I started recording the classes. And uh, and what it is is twelve transcripts of twelve classes I taught on the Course in Miracles. And the Course in Miracles is basically a a, a spiritual teaching, a metaphysical teaching uh, uh, that has to do with quantum forgiveness, a different form of forgiveness. Uh, so uh, it has to do with basically learning how to re interpret the world in such a way that we have more inner peace. Now, uh, and, and the end goal is a state to where you have no more pain, no more fear, no more upset at all. Now, I'm, to be clear, I'm not there yet. <laughs> I'm yeah. not there yet. Most of us are yet. not. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I, it, over the years, since I've been practicing and studying, and I can see the progress I've made, like several times throughout my life, people tell me, wow, you seem you seem very calm. You know, I remember you had told me that one time, Chuck, you seem, yeah. you seem pretty calm, you know. And that's one of the things I attribute it to, my, my practice of, of the forgiveness of A Course in Miracles. It teaches you how to look at look at it. It doesn't it doesn't teach you to avoid the world because a lot of what quote passes as spirituality today is really avoidance. You know, like you'll see people saying love and light and all kind of stuff, but then yeah. you know, they kind of de- you, still you, know, have to go, you have to go through it. You can't just yeah. ignore it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And that's, that's right. And that's that's interesting that you're you're talking about that because it's like my whole life is kind of going in that pattern. You know, where I went from this particular person to what I'm starting to understand. Uh, being whole inside and uh, being much, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not like the, uh, oh, yeah, everything's going to make me calm if you get me angry. But, I mean, I've, I've learned to forgive more, you know. I've learned to accept a lot more. I've, I'm so much more I'm so much more calm now, especially with meditation and all that kind of stuff. Um, it has really helped me to connect with the other side uh, in a way that I didn't think I could ever connect with. It started with it started with a, what I like to call the universal two by four, though. Yeah, right upside the head. Yep, that's what we call. This is the difference with a course in miracles, though. Like okay. uh, a course in miracles actually takes the spiritual attitudes referring to a, to a totally different level. Like uh, if you look at the universe, like like what you were saying was right. In my experience, pans this out as well. Like the universe is a continuum. Is a continuum of frequencies. So our physical dimension is a slower vibrating frequency. Then you get into non-physical dimensions that's that's faster in vibration, and on and on and on and up. And 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 I went to dimensions that are. I mean, I remember I remember going to this being that was just pure love and acceptance and. And there's just so many different frequencies and dimensions. And uh, even within the physical world, like there's a planet like this, that's a third density world. And there's like some ET races that are very advanced. But all of that still takes place within the physical world. All of it is still a, a projected world. The perspective that the course comes from is recognizing that that entire continuum is all an illusion. Mm-hmm. It's all an illusion. So the so the spirituality the course is talking about is not like this side versus the other side. From the from the course's perspective, there is no other side. It's all really the same. And uh, and I've had this experience studying the course as well, uh, uh, because I had I had this one experience where I was thinking about an idol of mine, something I, that I value differently from the course's perspective. Now the course isn't about getting, giving anything up, right. uh, but it teaches you to recognize the real causes of our pain and what we really seek. Ultimately, what we really want is a wholeness within, which is why seeking without never works. But mm-hmm. I, I was questioning this thing that was very important to me. And I must have questioned it in a certain way that it, that it, it, it changed my investment to the point that it underpinned 
a cornerstone of my very existence because this was so much a part of me. And literally the entire universe disappeared. And I had an experience of being a, quote, mind that was totally beyond the perspective that we have right now. Like, like the self right. that I experienced myself to be was a little minuscule, just meaningless activity. Mm-hmm. And from that level of, quote, mind, the entire universe was just a field of meaningless activity. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, 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 you know, every single aspect of the, of the universe. So uh, the Course in Miracles is not teaching us to go from here to there. It's teaching us to, to totally go beyond the idea of there even being a here or a there. It's mm-hmm. all is all within the realm of illusion, ultimately. Yeah, because you're talking about you're talking about non-dualism. You know what I mean? Pure you're saying, right? Because out of the meditation, I was speaking with I'll just say angels. That's what they 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 appear to me, anyways. And they were talking about uh, you know, like I go to this place where I get like these lessons, I guess you would say, and they give me a word, and I say, go look up the word, understand the word, um, and then come back again. You know. So the last word I got, which is funny because you didn't came on the show, was duality. They talked about duality. They said, look it up, try to understand what it's about. Um, and I, I, I could be wrong on this, but you know, to me, the duality was, um, you know, you're talking about, I, I see it as I, right now, because I'm still growing, I see it as a spiritual side and a materialistic side, you know, here and there. Well, duality uh, is me and you here and there, dark and light, yin right, and yang. Right, yeah. And right, that's, which, right, that's, well, that's the illusion. Duality is the illusion. Non-dualism is beyond. Right. And that's, is that's that, what's is funny. Is that correct, Carol? Yes, yes. Yeah. There's a perspective beyond all of that. You know, yeah, and that's what's funny. That you know that that connected to the fact you're on here now talking about exactly. That. It's not funny at all. <laughs> it's what happens. I know, but I just find it fascinating. <laughs> Synchronicity, you know, and yeah. and, that's, and, and and ironically, that's the thing about the course. Like, I mean, as you're all aware, I'm into out of body experience and and all of this stuff, and and mm-hmm. third density versus fourth density, and I, I, I implement that stuff in my life as well. And from my perspective, perspective, all of those things are really a much much longer path to getting to where the course is sort of getting you to immediately, because. Uh, where we're heading at, there's extraterrestrial races that are there now, like the Pleiadians and the Esasani. These are beings that are going from a, a fourth density perspective to a fifth density perspective, whereas we're going from a third density or a fourth density to a fourth density. And they describe beings that teach them that are fifth and sixth density beings and so on and so forth. Uh, there's Jermaine, who is a, a, a group consciousness. I believe Jermaine even said that uh, in the future, in the far future, Jermaine is like a group consciousness that will that will ultimately be the group consciousness that future humanity becomes. So, so what happens is we're totally we're going along a continuum. But mm-hmm. from my perspective, what happens is when we reach the end of that continuum, what has to happen is the mind itself, that universal mind that we call the all that is, or, or, and so on and so forth, has to ultimately choose against itself. To let go of its own illusory existence, to wake up beyond the illusion of existing. So, when you go into pure, pure non-dualism and recognizes that only what is real is what is eternal and what is changeless. That alone is real, and 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 of course, I mean, the universe, the the, the a defining characteristic is change. So, mm-hmm. whether it's in in you know another characteristic that it talks about is is. Uh, uh, you know, there is no end to what is real. There's no border, no boundary to what is real. It's boundless, right? So whether it's a, a, a human being or whether it's an angel, 
is still mm-hmm. separate, distinct things within this cumulative duality that, according to the Course, is still not real altogether. And what, what ends up happening is all of these things in their own ways uh, ends up being a mechanism to allow us to get to the point that we're willing to let go of our investment in duality because without duality, we don't exist. The only, the only way that we exist is to have something to compare ourselves to. That's why we're so invested in have, having all of these different uh, uh, dynamics that we inter, interact with. It's very frightening in letting go of our individuality. But what the Course also turns us on to is our investment in duality is what causes us mm-hmm. all pain. All right. pain is because of that same investment. It doesn't matter if we call it lack because I don't have what I want or pain because I got hit by a car. Whatever, whatever we blame our pain on, it's our psychological recognition or our psychological experience of the pain that we feel as existing as a separate being, as a distinct being. That's the source of all pain. And that's where quantum, for, quantum forgiveness comes from. It is, it's not a forgiveness that's between bodies. It's a, it's a forgiveness that recognizes that the universe itself is a projection of the idea of separation, that itself is not real. Mm-hmm. And the pain being that it's coming from our investment in that idea, being that the world is not real. If that thought is not real either, then the pain can't be real. So mm-hmm. I'm not forgiving you because of what you did in the world. I'm forgiving myself because the separation never really occurred. You know, mm-hmm. and, and that says a lot. We can go into it in detail and I'll go into some course verses. Well, I want to I want to ask you about this, because um, so everything you're talking about, I know in, intellectually. I understand it. I believe it. I know it and believe it to be the truth. But it's very difficult to make the leap. And and you have it even because you said, you know, I still feel pain. And I said, so what is the mechanism where we make that leap between what we know intellectually and what we practice spiritually to try and get there and actually being there? Good question. And the initial step is really the recognition of pain. And that's what really pushed me towards studying it as well. Really, it's the recognition that we're not really happy. And that's why we always seek everything. And the people who are supposedly happy in the world, they're really falling into a trap. The people that have all the things they think they they want in the world, which is why we see millionaires and famous people committing suicide nowadays. I mean, Robin Williams committed suicide. Robin Williams. So even the people that have, quote, all the things that they believe will make them happy. Ultimately, we're not happy. Ultimately, there's a pain and a void within ourselves. And what ends up happening is after we try enough of the world to the point that we realize that the world does not work, that's what motivates us to start to look beyond. And that's what it really is. It really comes to the recognition that the world is ultimately not, ultimately not working. Whatever I try, whatever I do, there's still the lack or pain inside of me. And, of course, we all do our things that we do to, to cover over that pain. You know, whether we have our sports or our movies or, or our whatever. And nothing is wrong with doing any of, the, any of these things. And, of course, it's not against doing anything. The course is not against uh, having money or having sex or watching a movie or whatever. Fine. Do all of that stuff. But what it's simply teaching us to do is when we when the pain comes, when we, whatever we're doing fails us, you know, when, when, when the movie we want to watch actually doesn't make us happy, it, it ends up being a horrible movie. When the, when the person that we think is going to make us so happy leaves us. Right. When, when whatever happens that makes us hurt, that's what really motivates us. Now, the other side of that is because of our pain at letting go of that individuality, we have to take it in small steps. 
So the next step from recognizing that we want to an escape is simply starting to practice that forgiveness on the things that makes us upset. That's that's the that's the 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 saving grace about it. We don't have to go any farther or any faster than we want to go. All we have to do is when something happens that makes us upset, rather than blaming it on the world, rather than blaming it on something in the illusion, we recognize it's really within us. It's really our choice to invest in that separation. And what happens is it, it just it just happens in baby steps. You know, some days yeah, I don't yeah. want to forgive. Some days I want to hold on to my investment. But some days it hurts so bad that I say, let me let me look at it differently so I can experience peace. And gradually over time. It's, it's like not knocking chunks off a boulder. As right. time goes on and we do it more and more, we have more and more peace and less and less pain. And that's the okay. process. So, okay. So I truly believe that I experience joy and I experience a lot of joy. I tend to be a fairly joyful person um, because it feels good and I like it. But I also have said many times, I hope this is my last go around because I don't want to come back. Mm-hmm. I mean, because, exactly. I mean, so... So can those two things coexist, the joy? Oh, and I mean, it, it clearly does in me, but am I just fooling myself? <laughs> well, put it like this. Sometimes we are, but, but it can both coexist. What happens is we go back and forth. You know, we have our moments where we, we have true happiness and true joy and true, and true peace. The way you determine whether it's true is to, is to establish whether it's dependent or not. True joy and true peace is absolutely independent. It's there because ultimately, underneath all the barriers and covers and hatred and fears, it's simply what you are. Because again, our true nature is purely non-dualistic, which is totally beyond the universe. The way that's reflected within the universe is there's what's called that the peace that passes understanding. You know, yeah. most of our spiritual teachers that we base our religions on, even though they go way off the mark by the time it gets to be a religion, a lot of these beings had that 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 recognition that the world was absolutely not real that their reality was totally beyond so their happiness and their peace was totally independent on whatever happened in the world which is why you're sure even while he was able, while he was being crucified he can say right. father forgive them they know not what they do he was not upset he was not in pain at all because his reality was totally beyond the world so if you have a joy or a happiness that you that's based upon something else, then you know it's not really true joy or happiness, as the Course talks about it. And how do we know this? Because what happens when the thing that's making us so happy leaves, or breaks, or is taken away from us? We all know what happens. We feel as bad or even more bad than we felt before we finally got this thing that's going to solve our pain. You know, so that's how you determine it. If, if your joy is based upon someone being there or something being there or having something, you know, it's not really true joy. It's just a band-aid that we're using to cover over the pain that we truly feel underneath. That pain that makes us say, this is going to be my last time here because we know we're all in pain here. Right. But those yeah. moments we truly have have peace, then, well, you know, it speaks for itself. It's just a peace that's there. You know, someone could come, can walk up to us and tell us the most nasty thing in the world, and it simply will not affect us because that, that light is shining in us. We're, we're, we're connected with it at that moment. But again, we get afraid of that, and then we go back to either being upset or we go back to a false uh, right. happiness or joy that's based upon the world. Right. Well, you so you brought up the example of Jesus as a master mm-hmm. being on the cross and being crucified and saying, forgive them, Father, they know what, what, not what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's one text. Another one has Jesus calling out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
um, one of the Gospels does. I mean, there's some inconsistency in the Gospels. Definitely. And the other thing is that Jesus felt deep compassion. You can see that in his actions that they talk about in the Gospels. Um, isn't compassion a human emotion, and isn't that somewhat rooted in pain as well, compassion and empathy? Well, let me, let me, let me, uh, let me go backwards and then bring okay. it down. Okay. According to the Course, which is according to my experience, mm -hmm. there's really only two emotions that we have experienced, only two. One is fear and one is love. Fear is basically what we experience in our investment and separation. And love is basically what we experience in our, in our letting go of that investment and separation. And mm -hmm. our looking towards the eternal. I agree. There's only fear and love. That's right. Ultimately. So yeah. if, it's, if it's a joy or a compassion that's dependent, then you know it's really fear. Example, we have people who are so very loving of the wells. They want to save the wells. They're so compassionate for the plight of the wells, right? They're being damaged by underwater sonar. We poison in the ocean to save the wells. But then they want to kill <laughs> the people who are poisoning the waters yeah. or doing the sonar. And I'm not saying we should encourage them to do that. But if you want to kill the person that's doing that because you're so compassionate for the wells, then you know that's not real compassion in the sense of it being the true mo emotion of love. I agree. Yes, I right? agree. So, you know, uh, it only, and th this is another barometer. So there's, there's, there's mm -hmm. many core principles that, just like we were talking about, uh, if it's based upon something. Yeah. Right. Another way to determine if it's true compassion, if it's really compassion based upon that right-minded love, is if it's universal. If it's a compassion for the victim and the victimizer, if it's a right. compassion for the for the, the the what you're rallying for and what you're rallying against, then you know it's real compassion, because everyone is experiencing the same pain if they're not expressing that love. Because remember, it's only fear and love. So if they're not expressing that universal love for everyone and everything, then they're afraid. They're experiencing pain, and to not have compassion for them is to not really have compassion for anybody, because we're all we're all really the same. So that's how you know. You know, it has to be okay. universal. That's how okay. you know it. If it's not universal, then it's not real. Now, I mentioned that verse from the Bible, mostly symbolically. I don't know if he said that specifically, but that was his attitude. If you go right. to the Gospel of Thomas, that is a more accurate portrayal, even though it's not so accurate because it was translated, so on and so on and so on. But uh, the Gospels, the reason why they're so inaccurate is because they're basically novels. You know, well, they, they were, were written. They were written. The earliest gospel was written like sixty years after Jesus' death. Exactly. They, they, yeah. they're, they're basically gospels. They're, it's kind of like the movies that we have. Uh, uh, the Ascended Masters that visited Gary Renard uh, yeah. aligned to those movies that we have, where they're kind of like it's not really. It's based upon a true story. You know those movies. Right. It's, it's based upon a true story. So there's facts that's in it, right? I mean, you know, like for instance, I believe Mark was one of the people who was alive when the Gospels were written, I believe. Mark was, Mark was the first Gospel. He wrote the first you Gospel. Go. I think he, he was yeah. a child at it that was, time. It was Mark, Matthew, Luke, John. Mark was, there you go. Yeah, so I, I studied the histo historical Gospels a lot just because I'm fascinated with it. So That's yeah. why I because he was, he was around at that time. But still, I mean, he, was a, he, he would have been just a kid at that time. Anyway. Right, right. So, you know, there's not a lot of, not everything there is accurate, but there's a lot of things that are, that, that make its way through. But if you want to get a more accurate picture, you want to go to the Gospel of Thomas and you can see some of the ideas that are more aligned because the Gospel of Thomas wasn't a novel. The Gospel of Thomas was, uh, uh, the, you know, Thomas, he was a disciple. 
and he literally just wrote down what the what the dude said. You know, he was his student, his personal student, and he would give him some words of wisdom, and Thomas wrote it down. And what happened is uh, it got translated and passed around in that period of time, and eventually it made its way to Egypt after he went through a few translations, and it was buried, and then it was dug yeah, up. Yeah, it never made it through the Nicene, the yeah. Nicene thing, yeah. Yeah, but, but you know, so you were mentioning, uh, uh, you know, take this, you know, with that thing he was saying, Father, take this. My God, my, yeah, yeah. That, that does not reflect the, the real Jesus. Because even if you look at the Bible, one of the things that made it through, he said that a lot of the things that I'm saying, you don't, you won't, you can't understand it right now. I remember the exact wording of it, but, you know, there's a verse yeah. that's thing, things, not everything I say you can understand, something like that. So even he said that, you know, you guys are not, because because what happens is we can only uh, view things through the lens of our own perspective. So yes, if you're based in fear, then you're going to see things from a from a fear-based perspective. Right. You know? So right. so that's why a lot of the things that they wrote was fear-based because they were looking through the lens of fear, so they couldn't see him clearly. Well, they were looking through the they were they were Jewish. They were looking through the lens of Judaism, and if you read the Old Testament, Judaism is uh, is has a lot of fear in the in the Torah and in the Old Testament, you know, God was a vengeful, mad, angry, fearsome God. That's right. That's right. Because because we wrote God in our image because we were looking at it from a, yep. from a fear based perspective. So I mean, they didn't even need the Bible to do that, though. I mean, you can have no Bible and you can do that, you know. Because the thing about it is, there's a, there's enough kind verses in the Bible that would eliminate all the bad verses. Like if you go, you know, it says, "He who is without sin cast the first stone." And that's one of the things that made it through. You know, here we yeah. are, supposedly a Christian nation, blowing up basically yeah. anywhere we can get a bomb to. You know, right. so it's really just the hearts of men. It's really our own yeah. investment and separation as a product. It's not any doctrine or any kind of scripture. You know, Mother Teresa is a very good example. You know, she was an Orthodox Catholic, but she was the most peaceful woman. She saw everyone as, as a child of God. She saw everyone as Christ. She could have focused on the parts of the Bible that said, you know, that was burning people up and killing people and stuff like that. But she focused on the parts that said, you know, see a woman as a, as a child of the God. When she, was, when she was picking people up from the street, even talking to someone, her personal practice was seeing every single person she interacted with as Christ. And that right. was her way of worshiping Christ by seeing you, whoever you are, as Christ. So everyone has the option of doing that. And the fact that she chose to look at those parts of the Bible and let that be her, her, uh, um, her mantra and her focus was just a, a reflection of the choices she made. Again, at the mind level, it always goes back to the mind wherever you go to. Right. Okay, well, we need to take a break. So let's do that, um, this fascinating discussion. So, uh, guys, we're, we're talking to Daryl E. Berry. Stick around. We'll be back in just a minute. It's Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark here on MixLR. Hi, this is Cheryl Knight, editor for Paranormal Underground Magazine. And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground Magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions. If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, crystals and herbology, and much, much more, visit ParanormalUnderground.net and start exploring the unexplained today. The traditional light bulb, a groundbreaking invention in 1879. It's time we switch to longer-lasting energy star light bulbs. 
They're more efficient than the old bulbs. Like a text message is more efficient than a carrier pigeon. And they cut down on our energy costs. Because in our own groundbreaking age, we deserve a light bulb that saves us some cash. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Hello, this is Nolan Ethan, and you're listening to Aeronormal Underground Radio in the Dark. Good job, guys. This is Paranormal Underground <laughs> Radio in the Dark on MixLR, and we are live right now. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Whether we're prepared for it or not. It's like, why, why is Chuck doing that? <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry, we live. <laughs> I am so, so sorry uh, we are here with Daryl e. Berry Jr., uh, a wonderful guest. He comes on quite often, has a lot to say, and he's a very, very interesting person. Uh, because some of the stuff that you say, I don't even, I don't even think about that. You know, like, but the one thing I did, the one thing I did connect with, it was you were saying it, it was a while back about forgiveness. Um, I understand that now. I thought I always understood that, but I did not understand that until I went through my divorce. Hmm. Uh, my divorce was my divorce was final. Um, I, you know, I went in front of the judge, you know, as you always do, and they're doing the little blah, 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 and you got to say this and this, and, and, and she's saying, well, you know, irreconcilable differences, and then, and then, and then, and, you know, I'm not, I'm hearing it, but I'm not agreeing with it, but I know it has to be because we need to move forward, you know, mm -hmm. so I'm just kind of taking it all in, and what I found interesting was that I did not, I, I thought I would feel anger and resentment and all these feelings, but I didn't. I actually... Uh, I actually felt um, that it was okay. You know, in fact, I don't know how to explain it, but when it was all over, I, I went to my car and I sat there for a minute because, you know, I'd taken, okay, life change, you know, whoa, you know, this is a pretty life, life change after like 30 some years, you know. Um, and then for some reason in, in, in uh, uh, the universe or the spirits, or however you want to verbiage it, I felt I needed to text her. So I texted her and I told her, look, you know, I, it's okay. You know, I, I, I don't want to be angry with you. I want the best for you. I wish you a, a wonderful life, you know, and I, and I left it at that. Um, now that's not me, you know, that's, <laughs> that's not the old me anyways, you know, that would be like, it is I'm you wrong. because you did it. Right. You know, but I mean, you know, I, I would have been the person who saw these nasty things, you know, like that, but I, you know, and I, and I felt, and at that moment when it happened, I felt so peaceful. I can't even, I can't really even just, peaceful doesn't even do it justice how I felt. I felt like it was all good. Everything was good. Like it was the right thing to do and everything is good. You can move forward. We're done. You know, it was like a, a moment that I, I'd never like reached before. Uh, I found that to be, and I connected to what you were saying about that because I get that, you know, awesome. and, it's, and it's not an easy thing to do because, you know, as human beings, it's, it's never an easy thing to do, you know, uh, when you're mad at someone or upset with someone or whatever, you know, because I'm pretty much a black and white kind of guy, you know, either this way or this way. You know what I mean, uh, I'm not like a gray area or anything. you know. So it was interesting that uh, that, that was the choice that I so, took. But here's the thing is you're saying these things as an absolute definition of you. I'm a black and white guy. I'm not a gray area guy. And when you create those definitions of yourself, you create, you set limits on yourself because clearly you are a gray area guy and clearly you are not a black and white guy because you're not behaving in that way. So why don't you just lose that definition of yourself? 
Well, no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I said I, I was that, you know what I mean? But okay. now I'm so much – I'm not that, you know? I'm willing to to pretty much look at anything in, a, in a, a totally different perspective, understand it from a different perspective, accept so much more that I would never have accepted before, uh, willing to understand more, you know, willing to take a step out of my – comfort zone like you know Oregon and places like that you know um so I'm willing to do things that I never would have ever ever done on my own before so yeah I, I get that and that's but that a great goes feeling. back to that goes back to what I asked Daryl before there's knowing it intellectually and then there's bringing it into your experience and it's two very different things yeah doing it is totally different than yeah exactly so do you do you recognize a uh, uh, some catalyzing factor that made you make that choice to bring it into your experience and let let the anger and attack go. Do I recognize where it came from? Yeah, yeah. The creator. What, what made you make that choice? The, the creator, the source. What? But what caused it? What? What did you just all of a sudden know to make it, that it, choice? Yes, yes. It just came to my mind, and I was told this is the, this is what you need to do. Do it. It's what you need to do, and. It was, I could call it a voice, you can call it whatever you want, but it was just a knowing. I just knew I had to do that. It was the right thing to do, and I just did it. Like so many things now I do in my life, I will just, you know, I don't think about it. I just know and I do it. It's totally different than how I, I my whole perspective of how I move through life has totally changed. Before, before I think you about felt, it. Before that moment, you felt a lot of pain, though, right? Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, you talk to me, you know how I felt. I was to the edge of not being here at all. You know, I mean, that's yeah. how it was very dark for me. It's on Facebook. Yeah. I mean, I, it was, it was very important for you. This is on page 22 of the text. It says tolerance for pain may be high, but it is not without limit. Eventually everyone begins to recognize, however dimly that there must be a better way. As this recognition becomes more firmly established, it becomes a turning point. It just ultimately reawakens spiritual vision, simultaneously weakening the investment in, in physical sight. The alternating investment in the two levels of perception is usually experienced as conflict, which can become very acute, but the outcome is as certain as God. That's what the Course says. And the key verse could be, tolerance for pain may be high, but it is not without limit. Eventually, everyone begins to recognize that ever dimly that there must be a better way. You know, and, and you experienced that with some of our Byron Katie experiences that that's ultimately yes. what everybody has to experience to make that choice, have to experience that pain. And, and, and that's one thing that the course does. It doesn't it's not a philosophy in that sense. It's more like a, 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 an like a scientific explanation, like an empirical explanation and description of how the mind works. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that when I look back at my life before I, I heard about the course and I look at the things I did and why and I looked at the way people act. It simply describes the way things work. It's pretty awesome. But, you know, but I'm sure what's going to end up happening is which, which we, we all do. Eventually, that, that pain is going to become frightening because, ironically, we identify our identity is based upon that pain. You know, like you were saying, you, you, was, you was 30 years with this person. It, it took a while. It took a shift. It's like, it's like decompressing from, from, from one uh, level of pressure to a different level. Mm -hmm. And we don't realize how invested we are in the pain that we have. It's become a part of our identity. And that's why we have to keep going back and forth. That's why I talked about the, the alternating investment. Because what ends up happening is the, 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 the peace eventually starts to wear on us because our individuality is based upon all the different ways that we define ourselves, our anger and our judgment. 
Right. Going back to Byron Katie, what did she say? What did she say, Karen? Who would you be without your story? Who would you be without your story? And and talk about Byron Katie for a minute because I don't know if we talk about it on the show, but it's a really good tool for people to start to move in that direction, don't you think? I agree. You know, basically, you know, in my experience and working with it, because I, I, I spent the, I spent years doing uh, doing the work and I actually do it less now because I find that the, the course of forgiveness actually works better for me, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, as a process of basically is a different form of forgiveness where you question uh, 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 the thoughts that are causing us pain. So, uh, you know, for instance, in your instance, in your situation, should my wife be divorcing me? Is that true? You know, and you question whether that's really true or not. You know, uh, one of the one of the the, the go tos that Karen always uh, that uh, uh, Byron always goes to is that obviously it should be happening because it's happening. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, so like, like that book, loving what is. You know, but ultimately yeah. it comes to the to the fact that you know if something is making us upset, is really how we're looking at it, not the thing that's happening itself. You know, uh, I believe it was Shakespeare that said there's nothing good or bad except but thinking makes it so. I think it was Shakespeare. Uh, uh, so that's basically what, what the work is about, is about questioning. Is, it, are, our, are our beliefs really true? Are the things that make us upset when we believe you made me upset for this reason? Questioning, is it true? And, mm-hmm. and whether it's really a part of what we, what we believe and looking at how we feel uh, uh, about it when we hold on to that thought, as well as looking how it is when we let go of that thought, which, you, which really you experience yourself, Chuck. Because when you was thinking, she shouldn't divorce me, this is bad, this is wrong, you were angry and you were upset. But when you changed that thought and said, you know what, it's all right, you, you experience peace. You let go of believing the false thought that you shouldn't be getting divorced. Obviously, you shouldn't be getting, getting divorced because that's what's happening. So you simply right. accepted what was happening. You accepted what is and said, you know what, this is fine. And letting go of that judgment, you started to experience peace. So, you know, the, the work basically uh, takes every single thought that that affects us and question it, questions it in a, in a similar way. Now, ironically, in the end, you, you start to run out of thoughts to question. And that's when it starts to become purely non-dualistic. You know, I, I remember hearing an interview uh, with Byron Katie or watching an interview, I guess you could say. She was she was uh, interviewed by this guy. Uh, I think it's called uh, something to do with reality. I don't remember the exact name of it, but she started saying the mind, the mind itself isn't real. You know, I exist. Is it true? You know, so as we, really what happens is as we let go of all our judgments, we start to eventually get to the idea that this self that was holding on to the judgments is not real either. That that self itself is a, is a distortion and what could be just absolute purity. But yes. Yeah, it's, it's funny that like when. It, it, it's like when that moment happened, like when I changed my thought process from uh, the, the whole world's crashing down on me to accepting it. Um, the easiest way to explain it is kind of like I was sitting and myself stepped out of my body and kind of sat next to me and looked at my body and said, and, and myself was like, it's fine. It's all good. There's, there's, there's nothing to be, there's, it's, it's all for a reason. There's a purpose. It's fine. You know, it's all good. Looking at my 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 body, thinking this is what this is this is how I explain this is what you're dealing with as 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 this person, but you're really not this person. You're much more, you know. So you need to you need to you need to take that in, and you got to remember that. And then I just kind of like pop back in, and when I pop back in, I felt I, I actually felt different. I felt 
uh, I felt a lot more peaceful. I mean, I'm not 100% there, of course, but I felt way different than I've ever felt in my entire life. So I found it to be very profound for me. Awesome. So, um, uh, you know, so what do you want to like, you know, with, with the book and, you know, your discussions and stuff, I mean, uh, you said this was like a course that you were doing. A class. The, like I was teaching a class. a class for like an hour and an hour and a half. And it was basically like a course study group. And I mm -hmm. think, I mean, you know, uh, everything I pretty much done, I've taught, I guess it's just something I like to do. I like to teach and write. Uh, so I started getting into it and learning it and, and I started teaching the class and I started recording them. And, uh, and the book just ended up being a, a transcript of those 12 classes. I actually have 24 classes recorded. I wasn't mm -hmm. going to put them all together in one book, but it was going to be like huge. Like this book, <laughs> this is it right here. Like this is my, my proofreading copy that I'm proofreading for my oh final my gosh. Sort of typo. So it's actually okay. six by nine. And it's uh, 390 pages, uh, okay. so it's shot full of information. And uh, you know, that's all. Just, just like people uh, who was in the class was like asking questions. We was going through the verses step by step and things like that. And one of the reasons why I actually uh, enjoy teaching the course is actually uh, 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 very few people actually understand the course. Like, uh, you know, I, I used to live in New Orleans. And, uh, you know, as my bio says, I was looking into spirituality since I was very, very young. And uh, my, first, my first course study group I went to, I was actually in high school. I was actually like, must have been like 13 or 14 years old. So you can imagine this little kid sitting around with a bunch of gray-haired people. Uh, uh, and and one, of the, one of the ones I went to, this guy, I mean... He was, I don't know what he was teaching, but he was not teaching the course. I didn't want anything to do with it. And the second one I went to, it was just a, a bunch of gray-haired ladies just reading. It, it just seemed like a book club, you know. It is, I was like, I don't really <laughs> think. Well, but, they, uh, weren't doing, they weren't doing the exercises. They were just reading it from cover to cover. about the exercises. Too, you're talking about the workbook. That it's really yeah, about how okay. you think, you know. Yeah. For like, instance, the, the, people look at the miracle in the course of miracles and, and think it has to do with miracles like changing water to wine and, and stuff like that. That stuff is possible. Because, again, from the course's perspective, all of this is a dream. It's an illusion. And, it, and it's an illusion that we're dreaming. So, so you one can of the affect things, the illusion any way you want. Exactly. So none of that yeah. stuff is, you know, the resurrection did happen because he was at the level of, of mind where he was mind. Well, again, he could just, like, like the movie The Matrix, you know, when yeah. you get out, yeah. when you unplug and then you, you're looking at the matrix from outside the matrix, then it's just the matrix. It's just a computer simulation that you could do whatever you want with. The physical world is like that when you reach that level. So, yeah, you could teleport and raise the dead and stuff like that. But that's not what the miracle is. The miracle in the course of miracles is that instant of letting go of our hatred and our judgment. You know, so Chuck, when you decided at that moment, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to stop hating. I'm going to I'm going to stop attacking. That was the miracle that changing your thinking, that changing over from fear to love. That's the miracle. That's the miracle. The miracle is, is looking at the world like the the course anthropomorphizes it with two words, ego and Holy Spirit. So when we're looking at it from the fear based perspective, the course calls it you, you're identified with the ego. That's when we're judging, we're hating, we're attacking when the pain gets to the point. As I read earlier, that we realized there must be a better way. Like you realize, Chuck, this is hurting. It's bad. I can't stop it anyway. So I'm just hurting for no reason. Why don't I look at this a different way? That choice of switching over from fear to love, that is what the miracle is. And what the course, the course basically gives us different ways of thinking that allows us to get better and better at, at being able to choose that more and more and more. For instance, you were able to choose at that moment, but I'm pretty certain 
between now and that period of time, you've gotten upset at something. <laughs> and so there were things along the way that you didn't choose to do that with. And that's that's really the case with all of us. We will choose at this moment with this. But then the next thing comes, you know what? I, I, I don't mind that person, but you, I, I still hate you. Right. <laughs> so eventually it's what happens. It's a process. It's a process. We have to do it over and over and over every time something comes up. Because, again, that guilt and that pain is so deeply rooted. And uh, basically you can say uh, at any given moment we could access only so much of it at, at any given time. And the peace that we experience, that true peace, is we basically let go of the guilt that we're that we're that we were attaching to at that moment. But then the next moment we just pick up another chunk. But the the process is every single time we experience pain, every single time we experience upset, frustration, lack, anger, judgment, whatever. Every single moment we have to look at it and think about it differently. We have to recognize that it's not coming from what you're doing or what you're not doing. What you've taken from me, what you've given from me, whether it's good or it's bad, right? Because they're both two sides of the same coin. The the course talks about how pleasure and pain are the same according to the course, you know, which is, which is, which is not a degrees. They're just degrees of things like hot and colder degrees of temperature. Yes. Yes, basically, yeah. yes. Yeah. But it's still, yeah. but it's still, it's still, it's still temperature. It's still something within the world of duality. Right. Exactly. Right. So um, nothing on the going to get you out of here. So Cheryl has a question. She says, "How can someone who thinks the world is against them that they're always the victim of other people in some way ever change if they're always so negative they can't see the good in anything?" going to have to just hurt enough for them to not want to do it anymore that's really the foundation of it you know uh you're not going to be able to force anybody to change you're not even going to be able to force yourself to change the only thing that's going to cause you to be motivated enough to change is because you realize this is not working i'm hurting and i'm in pain and it's not working you know and i ran into that like uh you know i'll have a book coming out later this year called next density talking about four density principles. And a lot of times when I talk about those subjects, that's one reason why I actually want to put that out because so many people are in the victimhood mentality or oh, the government is doing this and, the, and, the, and, the, and they're going around waving flags talking about we're the 98%. But think about that. You're 98% of the people and 2% of the people are controlling you? You mean to tell me if we have 100 people in the room and two people stand in the middle of the room and say, guess what? I'm about to poison all of you. There's nothing the 98 of us can do to stop them. Right. That's what they're doing. They say, I'm going to poison all of y'all. And we look up and we see planes flying across the sky with chemtrails. And they're saying they're victims. We build the planes. We do everything. No one is a victim. What's going to happen is, and that's what had to happen to me. I, I was going through that as well. I, went, I, was, I was blaming everybody and blaming the government and, 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 and the Illuminati and all these people. Then I finally realized Ding, they're 2% of the population. But when I started asking people, I, I started asking people this one question. Let's unite and make a world free of government. No more government. Free of money. No more money. And with peace and freedom, people went the other way. When I would post a, when I would make a post saying the police did this and the government did this and talking about all the tyranny and pain and upset and frustration, I would be getting... Thousands of likes sometimes. I was, I was the, the state admin for this organization that was supposedly about uh, uh, police accountability. That's a, that's a different story. I, I've gotten out of that because I realized what I'm telling you right now. I would make a post about how bad these people are and, and people would be sharing it and liking it everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I would make a post saying, look, there's a whole bunch of us. Let's do something about it. Let's have a meeting this Saturday and get together. 
Nobody will come. Well, that's <laughs> because that's because we live in the age of slacktivism, where the most yeah. active people are signing internet petitions and posting them on Facebook. Well, I mean, that's my point. That's a choice. Right. In other words, that's yeah, a choice. absolutely. In other words, the, the the people that are doing this stuff, they have two arms and two legs like us. Even the ones that say they're reptilians, well, they still they still got two arms and two legs. They're still just an entity. They're just a being. Right. If you shoot them with a gun, they will die. Right. Maybe you have to shoot them more than once if they're a big reptilian, but eventually they will die. It depends you on what you're using for a gun, Daryl E. Barry. It depends <laughs> on what you're using for a gun. I mean, there's people who've reported encounters. Matter of fact, there's Phil Schneider. Yeah. You know, he he had an encounter, and I believe it was a I don't remember where he was at, but he was he was a, a, a geologist who they contacted to help dig bases, and he was familiar with the rocks. Uh, they went underneath there. There was grayish reptilians. They killed some of them. So these these beings can be killed. We outnumber them greatly. Yeah. The the point is, these are just beings, and we are seven. I don't know how many billion people are on the planet. If we wanted to do something, it could be done. If we wanted it all to stop, it can stop right now. No one is a victim. Everyone is choosing. And and again, there's nothing we can do to force people to know that. What's going to happen is there will be a certain point when it hurts so much, like what, what I experienced. It was right. hurting so much, focusing on all the corrupt stuff these people doing. It just, we're just, I was just so angry. That's why I wanted to do something. Let's do something. I'm tired of talking about this stuff all the time. Let's yeah. do something to stop them. People didn't want to join in, and then I realized people want this. Secretly, people want it. So I recognize when I recognize people wanted, I just step back and I let them have their game. The people who want to be the Illuminati people, controlling people, they want it. Obviously, they're actively doing it. And the people who want to be the victims, they want it. They're passively doing it. Well, that's so, the story that they've chosen that fits exactly. their self-image. Exactly. So what's going to happen is at some point, they'll reach a point where they're tired of the pain. And then they'll decide to look at it differently. And that's when the world will change. That's really all it really is to, is to it. It's, it's a choice that they have to make individually. And again, I've tried. I, I remember, uh, you know, at the peak of my, uh, uh, them when I was this, this, uh, the state representative and so on and so forth, and I was getting thousands of likes on, on like posts, people wouldn't, didn't want to come. Then I started to see that, the, like I was saying earlier about the compassion. There was this incident where... Uh, Okay, there was this lady, I don't know if she was on high or what, but she was walking down the street, and this guy was at a red light. And uh, she walked up to the guy's car, opened up his door, got in his car, sat down, closed the door. But the guy looks over at this lady that's sitting in his car, and, and she didn't want to get out, so he got out. So then the lady started driving with his car. He calls the police, and the police come, and, uh, you know, the lady didn't want to leave the car, and they didn't beat the woman up or anything. They just forced her out the car so the guy could have his car back. And these people supposedly about police accountability are saying, look at that Jack Buddha. Look at this person. I'm like, what the world are y'all talking about? I'm like, all he did was it was it anybody can do. She, he, that person has a right to his property. Are you saying uh -huh. that anybody could just walk up to you and, and take your property, just walk into your door and say they're going to live in your house and you just have to accept it? No. So yeah. it, it became clear to me, like, like we were saying earlier, the people that, with the world example, they, didn't, they, they had so much hate and judgment that they weren't, they weren't even looking clearly at anything. They weren't even looking at justice and truth and freedom and liberty. That person did a service. It doesn't matter if you're a policeman or not. If someone is getting their property stolen 
and is and is too weak or unwilling to stop that person and you are able to stop that person and you help that person without injuring the person that you're stopping from being a robber, you did a good deed. You helped that person. You stopped this person from doing something they probably was going to regret eventually when they came down from their high. So you helped everybody. And I wrote mm-hmm. the the, the, the head of the organization, like, I need y'all to respond on this because I'm trying to represent y'all here. And what y'all doing here doesn't make any sense. It's not representing the stated purpose. And I didn't get a response. I ended up just, just stepping away from the organization. I realized that they all wanted what they had. They want the hate and anger so much that even when these people do something good, they still they don't even see anything but hate and anger. So, again, it goes back to the point that they have what they want. Everyone yeah, we'll see. That's why I detached from politics and from especially I used to read all of the liberal political blogs and things. And I realized that all it was doing was making me angry and making me dislike people and making yeah. me feel like. And so I just detached. Right. Well, there's a Bob has a question that's kind of fit in what we're talking about. He says, how many people do you think wake up in the morning wanting waiting to be offended so they could just justify their lack of participation? Everyone who gets offended. <laughs> yeah, I knew that was coming. <laughs> again, everything, oh everything God, we I experience know. is from our own choice, is our own mind's choice. Nothing outside of us can affect us. All Nothing. of this stuff now with like um, microaggressions and people being offended by the littlest thing, and it's it's so counterproductive. And all it does is creates victims and cre- and perpetuates and i think we're going in the wrong direction don't you think we're becoming more a society of victims instead of less no that's not what the case no? is because uh 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 what i've learned from my from my studying application of the course is that the hatred is just what it is mm-hmm. and uh what happens is we have more or less of a recognition of its manifestation but you know like for instance all the cor- corruption and, and brutality we're seeing it's not that that just sprung up it's just that now everybody has a cell phone and you can see it. Yeah, that's true. But the same thing with people's upset and anger and frustration, that was always there. It's just that there was a, it may have been more concealed in the past. There was a period of time where uh, it was unheard of to get a divorce. Do you think everyone was always happy in their marriage at that time? No. It oh, just was God, no. unfashionable to get a divorce. So people didn't get a divorce. They forced themselves to stay in a situation that was miserable for them. But now it's become less of a cultural inhibition. So people are doing really what they really want to do. So I would say that the hatred and anger was always there when it's not getting worse. I mean, you could really make an argument that it's better. That's right. This is the anger that's there is becoming more visible. I mean, really, from my perspective, there's more people in the world today that are focusing on more positive concepts. So I would really argue that the world is really more, more quote spiritual and more progressed now than it was then. It's just that again, like like we were saying, the 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 the, the manifestation of which really was always there underneath is more visible now because we have more technology. Now we can instantly see what's going on on the other side of the planet. Now it's fashionable to express yourself. I'm expressing my mind. There was a period of time where you had to be, you know, we called it today political correctness, but there was a period of time where that was just the culture. You know, you right. was very proper and prim and the women didn't speak and they had to, you know, you were married for life and that's just the way it was. And, you know, you know, I remember when I was a kid, uh, 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 well, you know, I, I don't want to get too many details. So I think they, uh, uh, let me put it like this. <clears throat> I've known people in my past, uh, who were older than me, who were married and, uh, and, uh, they expressed to me, you know, I, I talked to one of the guys and he expressed to me that he just wasn't that happy. Uh, but 
he was from the era. He was, you know, he was, he was, um, you know, relative high age. He could have been my grandfather. They just don't get a divorce. So, so I think that's all it is. Things are more visible now, you know, but that's not a bad thing because, because the only way we're going to deal with it is to look at it, you know, which I was, which I was referring to with the love and light thing, you know, uh, the people who want to be called spiritual by just saying love and light in the mouth all the time and not looking at their absolute anger and hatred that's underneath all yeah. the delay the undoing of the anger and the pain. So it's not really bad that it's visible. You yeah. know, what's, what's quote bad is when you see it and you don't do something about it. And when I say right. do something about it, I mean look within yourself and address your right. pain. So it's really a gift. Without, without the pain, we wouldn't recognize the, the, the insane choice that we're making to, in, to stay invested in separation and in, and in nothingness. You know, but now we're, we're, we're able to see it more and more. So the same thing with the, with the corruption and things in the government. That stuff is not new. Again, this is we have cameras. We can see it. We can look at what we're choosing because let's look at what we're choosing. You know, going back to the government thing, we're choosing irresponsibility. We're we're, we're, how many people in America? What, 300 million people? And we say, you know what? I know what we'll do. Let's all vote for one person because, you know, people are so angry and hateful and judgmental. Let's take one of these people and vote for him. But because we voted for him and he's wearing a nice suit. He's going to handle it for us, yay. And then what always happens four years later, he lied. He didn't do it. Let's vote for someone else. People are choosing yeah. to be irresponsible. I mean, you know, how can we possibly count on a handful of people to do it? It makes no sense. That's why if you look at the, the populations like the Pleiadians, we have examples in the society. Everyone is responsible. There is no leader of the Pleiadians. Everyone accepts 100% responsibility for their own life. Now, there's cooperation. Just like in the household, you you can have people in the household and they cooperate to get everything done in the household, right? That's how their whole planet is. It's like a family cooperating where everyone is equally responsible and everyone works together. Until we get to that point, this is going to always be the same thing. It's always going to be victimization and, and so so forth. You know, people do that to have a vic of someone to victimize them. Because how can I how can I be a victim if I have someone victimizing me? You know, like we were saying earlier, who, who, how many people do you think choose to have the thing happen so they can have something to be upset about everyone? That's why we want to have this situation where we have politicians and police and all this kind of stuff. I mean, if you think about it, our idea is that the, the human population is so corrupt and so whatever that we need someone to control us. But the people who are up there, where are they from? They're humans like us, which is right. so probably going to be surprised when they do corrupt stuff. So, you know, it, we just have well, to change. Well, if you're not a victim or if you're a victim, then you can see yourself as not personally accountable for the circumstances of your life. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's, it's far easier to blame other people than to look within. But what you said, I have never thought about it this way, but you make a really good point because I'm a big believer that to – Pull something that to um, when you have like a deep dark something mm-hmm. that the only way that you can banish darkness is with light. So shining a light on it. And so if we have this hatred and anger and it's becoming more visible through the Internet and all of our cameras and everything else, maybe that's what we're doing is shining a big old light on it. And we can finally begin to make, you know, reach solutions. But we're going through growing pains at the moment, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well right. said, Karen. Yes. All right, so guess what? It's time, Daryl E. Barry. It's time to shamelessly self-promote. Awesome. Well, uh, uh, Classes on the Course in Miracles is coming out in March, 
and uh, you know, it goes in, in a lot more detail with the chorus. We go through verses and things like that. I'm sure you will in, uh, enjoy it. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Gary Renard, and I had sent the proof to him, and he read it, and he gave a good endorsement of it. So that's awesome. And uh, if anybody's going to be in the in a Louisville area, like I know my uh, company is called Next Density Center, and and you know, I'm I'm uh, going in the direction of having a, a an actual center. If I'm still in the planning, if I don't get on the craft and, and leave somewhere before that period before that happens. But uh, what I'm starting to do now is uh, there's a public library nearby, and I'm starting to give talks. So uh, on the last Saturday of this month, on the 27th, I'm going to give a talk at the Frankfurt Public Library on the out-of-body experience if anybody's there. But I'm sure I'll have the recording uh, up eventually. So uh, have, the, have, the, have that coming out, uh, do some talks. And uh, anybody want to have learn more about me with the course, I do personal consultations and things on that as well. You can reach me at uh, DarylEBerryJr.com, D-A-R-R-Y-L-E-B-E-R-R-Y-G-R.com. All right. Uh, as you know, you are always welcome on the show. You are a frequent flyer as long as you remain here on this planet instead <laughs> of you know, heading, awesome. heading off. So um, thank you so much. We always enjoy talking to you. You're welcome. Thank yes. you for having me, having me back. Thanks, buddy. Next time. All right, Chuck. All right, cool. All right, All right see you, thanks. Buddy. Good night. All right, everybody. There you go. Daryl E. Berry, uh, as always, mind-blowing conversation, uh, but also really important stuff. To help other people to sort of look at things differently, huh? I, I find that when Daryl's on the show, the show goes in like two seconds. It seems like in the show. Yeah, like, I know. I noticed you sent like, me a little time. I, I noticed you sent me a little thing. I, I I was watching the time. As long as we get by by quarter two, you know, I'm yeah. willing to let Daryl E. Barry run over a little bit. Is what I'm I saying. Understand. It's yes. my job. It's my yes. Job. All right, Cheryl, turn it on. Oh, Daryl, you're still on. Where are your classes? Oh, um, it's uh, it's at the Frankfurt Public Library on. Uh, let me find one of these flyers here. I'll be handing out. Oh, he has. He does have his own flyer. What's yep, going yep. on, Daryl? I, I was out and handing out a few of them. <laughs> there you go. It's at All uh, right. 319 Wapping Street in Frankfurt, Kentucky. Is on Saturday the 27th from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. And uh, the topics include what the out-of-body experiences, potentials and possibilities, and implications for the progress of the human race. And also have another one scheduled for the, the last Saturday of next month. And that one is going to be on extraterrestrials, uh, the reality of extraterrestrials, uh, sharing some of my experiences as well as sharing uh, major contacts that have happened and major sightings uh, across the world that have happened. So I'm going to have a talk about every month aiming towards the last Saturday of each month on different topics that I'm uh, teaching right on. Well, hang on till after the show because I want to ask you about something, Daryl, but I want to do it off the air. So, yeah. Okay. All right. So. Uh, Oh, you should go. You should go. That's pretty close. Yeah. You could could meet Daryl E. Berry in person and have your picture taken with him. That would be exciting. Oh, I think you need to do that. I think I think you need to do that, Daryl. You need to you need to make sure that they do that. Awesome. You stay Sounds on good. them. I know. Okay. So anyway, Cheryl, let's do our business. Business. Our business. Is it the ghost sex one? Yeah. 
I'm equally I'm equally enticed and nervous about this. Yeah, this I'm not really sure I'm gonna handle that one either. So <laughs> I'm going to try not to giggle for the whole show. Yeah. Yes, I will. Yeah, that'll be really. I'll be able to put my thing on mute all the time. All right. Apparently, I was on mute for for the last five minutes. Oh, I just got the word. Yes, you were. Oh, so no sure. more told me. <laughs> Sorry, oh. listeners. All that all that okay, uh, so let's blank that air again. was uh, was me on mute. So let's do that. Okay, we're again, talking. Girl. Go ahead. Go. Well, shoot. well basically, um, Chad and I are going to try and go to Daryl's class in, in Kentucky because it's only four hours from here. So hopefully, we'll get that done. And the next week. We have a guest, Gavin Lee Davies, February 18th. He's the author mm-hmm. of A Most Haunted House and Ghost Sex the Violation. Which is why Chuck and I are going to try and not giggle through the whole show. Because we are mature <laughs> I, adults who can talk about ghosts. I actually think it's, yeah. it's, yeah, I, I don't think you'll be giggling. I think it's a pretty serious topic, actually. I actually do, too. Yeah. Okay, and um, so you, you had a goal set that Bob says you're not going to meet, and I... Notice that we're heading towards the middle of the month, Cheryl. Oh, magazine. Oh, Bob. Bob. Oh, business. Yes. Magazine. Business. I was yeah. looking at the chat room. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Bob has You're on challenged the air. me. Hello. Bob has put out a challenge, and you know me, I like challenges. Um, typically, well, we used to um, get the magazine out the first week of the month. And when we moved over here to Tennessee, we got a little delayed. It never got back on schedule. So now it's the last week of the month. The last day. The last day sometimes of the month. Okay, yeah. So Bob has challenged me. Well, I said I was going to try and get it done by the 15th, and he laughed in yes, my face. It is That is four days away. That is yes, why I'm he did. And so I took up the challenge. And actually, we've come pretty far on this issue. We have, we have a little ways to go. But I think we just yeah, may hit the 15th. To do it. Oh, and then what is if if that happens? Yes. What is Bob going to do on the air on the show to show his remorse for thinking he couldn't do it? That is Bob. What are you gonna do, Bob? I I think that I think that we need to make this interesting. Yeah, is what I'm saying. And so I think I think Bob, if you really, I I think you need to put something behind those words. Is all I'm saying. Oh, he is, ta- he is taunting me in chat room bad. Yes, he's Bob. taunting me. Oh, boy. You go, Bob. I have no excuses, hey. Bob. It's coming on the 15th. Bob, to watch. Some, you Speaking are going of- to do, I don't know if you're going to come on the air and sing a song or you're just going to grovel and apologize la, when la, she gets la, it out. Wait, but if she doesn't get it out, Cheryl, what is it that you are willing to do? What? I'm not willing. Hey, I, I, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> what am hey. I supposed to do? I don't know what you're supposed to do. Groveling will work, he says. You can grovel. I, I, I don't, maybe, I'll, I, I don't know. I don't think I, I don't just know. think that, I think I that think you, two, I think you two need to make this interesting. That's all I'm saying. Little incentive for you to get it out. Technically, whoa. Technically, I could probably get it out early, before the 15th, whoa. and then, and oh. then I'll show Bob, right? That's right. Bob will need to come on and sing a song. Yes. Oh, I'd like to hear that. Wow, Bob but, hasn't but, agreed and, and to it's this. A song, oh, it is a song of Cheryl's choosing. Bob, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, <laughs> <so> screwed. <laughs> so, Cheryl, screwed I think, now, I think so. as you're getting the magazine ready to go, you start thinking of which song you would like Bob to sing. Yes. I. Um, this is going to be fun. This, this is, is going to be way, fun. Off topic, Bob, did you see I, 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 uh, I modeled on Facebook today? What do you think, buddy? 
I always like Bob's opinion. On, Shoulders on down, elbows up, wrists back further. If you're going to do the front double bicep, you're going to do it right. All right. Well, I'm working on it. I got better than the former bodybuilding yeah. coach. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm getting better than I, than I was. So, oh, know. yeah. It was great this time. There's just a few little technical details we need to work out. Okay. If you came out, if you come out here again, if you come out here again, I could, you know, get you really fast. Five minutes, I'd have you doing the front double biceps. You could do the most muscular pose, the ab no. pose, the tricep <laughs> pose, the chest, the pec pose. Oh, I know them all, baby. Karen's gonna reel me out there one way or the other. It's gonna happen. Come for my cooking. Uh, you like my cooking? Oh heck yeah! I'll come for your cooking. Especially that sausage stuff, man. Oh, yeah. I haven't made that except, in a while. It's time again. Except when you hit that one hot spot. I was like, oh, oh. That yeah, was that just a little piece of spicy Italian yeah. sauce. It was good, though. That's okay. I kept eating it, didn't I? I didn't, st I didn't stop. No, you kept going. All good. Right. All right. So, uh, Cheryl, yep. do we have any other announcements other than or have you have you thought of any songs in your head that you'd like Bob to sing yet? Um. I like the one like that you suggested earlier in the show about um, the angels singing and the your... oh the Karen was right the she, yeah. but with Cheryl was right yes uh, how about Cheryl is amazing maybe something like uh, that. He says, he, he says there's a restraining well he says there's a restraining order about him singing I don't know what that is we don't care Bob have you heard the have you heard my American Idol audition I I sang on the air more than mm -hmm. once. Sure Whoa. <laughs> Bob, Bob says I, I looked like Lou Ferrigno after he got out of shape. What the heck? Ouch. Oh, Bob. Wow. All this hard work I've done, and that's what he just said. I'm done. I'm not talking about him. Well, you know what? I huh? think you should show Bob and just stop working out. That would teach him. <laughs> yeah. I guess he pictures before I worked out. And, and, be and maybe start eating lots of food and gain weight again. That'll show him. <laughs> That'll show him. I'll show him. I'll get really Bob, fat. Bob is really yeah. challenging everyone lately. Have you noticed? That was, that, that, was, that really hurt. He was, no. He was, no, he was mean to me last week. He's Actually, two weeks in a row. First of all, he told me that I had an annoying voice. And then he told me that my Crystal's Healing book had a bunch well, of bad reviews. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. You know what's funny? I look up to Bob. You know, he's the guy I always want to check with. You know, when I'm working out. Now he just totally dissed me and killed my whole. Bob is also Bob is also a former bodybuilder. So you have yeah, I know bodybuilding coaches in your life. Well, I know that's why I was trying to. I figured he'd say, "Hey, good job, keep it going." No, he just just ripped me down. There you go. He wanted you to keep your shoulders down, your elbows up, and pop those wrists back. Whatever. Yeah. I'm just not gonna work on it anymore. I'm done. Forget it. All right. So shall we shall we close out? We have like about five minutes left. Do do we have anything else we want to chat about before we go? Well, we should... we, we are gonna be off um, on February twenty fifth. We will have no show because Chad Hey, that's Chad... my anniversary, sweet. Oh, is it? February twenty fifth? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Well Chad, like 13, Corey and I are going to see the Lakers play in Memphis, so we're gonna be gone. Well, we're going to be gone on the 24th. I think I think you know what I'm going to be doing down there. I don't know what time we'll be <laughs> Karen. Oh, my gosh. It's All right, then. Once, twice a year, his birthday and his and our anniversary. <laughs> oh, man. TMI. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm not touching that. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I wouldn't be touching that. You would. Sorry. Go ahead. Continue. That's... <laughs> 
Hey, I, all right. I think we can. So we're uh, off the 25th. We're off the 25th, but we will return the Thursday also, after that. Also, Cheryl is going to count up because we know that we are rapidly approaching our 300th show. We're hoping that we haven't already passed it without fanfare because we would like to do something special. So what would be great is if you would let Cheryl know, editor at paranormalunderground.net, what you would like to see, if you'd like to see certain guests come by and have a quick chat with us, uh, things like that. Let's let's see what we can do to, uh, you know, to make, make the show special. special. That's right. Also, uh, send your dreams, editor at paranormalunderground.net. I'll be interpreting them for you. Um, and we'll put it in the magazine. You can do it anonymously. And also... If you're listening and you would like to never, ever, ever miss an episode of Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark again, in our MixLR chat room, you can click on the, is, what color is it? Is it red or orange? Kind of reddish-orange follow button in the chat room so that you can follow uh, this show. I think it's red. Pretty sure. Yeah, it's kind of pinky red. That's true. Anyway, okay, so there we go. We killed enough time. It is time to go. Once again, Thanks. listeners, we love you and appreciate you. Uh, thank you for whether you listen to us live and join us in the chat room, whether you insult every single one of us, Bob, or, <laughs> yeah. you know, Bob. <laughs> whether you listen to us in podcasts, we really appreciate you. So thank you for listening. Tell your friends. Um, yeah. Come back next week. We'll be here on MixLR at 6 p.m. Pacific. 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Illinois time, other times in other flyover states. Hey, everybody, have a great week and have a happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, kissy, kissy. Bye-bye. Bye. Good night. If you'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark, email us at editor at paranormalunderground.net. And until next week, remember this. If something looks out of place or doesn't feel quite right, it could just be something...